Pray for the classes and be dismissed. Father, we come before you right now. We ask your blessing to rest upon each and every teacher. Thank you for anointing them for service. Let your will be done in each and every class. And we give you all the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you're dismissed to your classes. Adults, please turn with me over into the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 9 in the word of the Lord. Praise God. We come to the 5th, 6th, and 7th judgment from the Lord. Plagues from God upon the land of Egypt, upon Pharaoh. Amen. These plagues will deal with herds, health, and hail. Herds, health, and hail. Exodus chapter 9, beginning with verse 1. Okay, there, say praise the Lord. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Go in unto Pharaoh and tell him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me. For if thou refuse to let them go, and will hold them still, literally, tighten your grip. If you tighten your grip, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thy cattle, which is in the field, upon the horses, upon the asses, upon the camels, upon the oxen, and upon the sheep. There shall be a very grievous rain. And the Lord shall sever between the cattle of Israel and the cattle of Egypt, and there shall nothing die of all that is the children of Israel. And the Lord appointed the set time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord shall do this thing in the land. And the Lord did that thing on the morrow, and all the cattle of Egypt died, but of the cattle of the children of Israel died not one. Pharaoh sent, and behold, there was not one of the cattle of the Israelites dead. And the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people go. Father, we come before you right now. We thank you, Father God, for your mighty word today. Put our faith and our confidence, our trust in you this morning. In Jesus' name. Lord God, our faith is more powerful and stronger than our emotions. We thank you, Father God. We submit our wills, our minds, our thoughts, our hearts to you this morning in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Give the Lord another hand clap of praise. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. You are worthy, God, to be worshipped. We give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. So we see here, the Bible tells us the judgments of God continue on the land of Egypt because Pharaoh is hardening his heart against the Lord. The Lord gives him another opportunity before he sends a judgment. This is the goodness of God. God is a good God. Boys, preach to you the goodness of God. That God is a good God. The judgments are coming upon Pharaoh and his land because he's bringing it on himself. The judgments come after God gives ample warning. He just keeps warning. He warns. He gives opportunity after opportunity. When that opportunity is rejected, then his judgment falls. But God is a good God, and the fact that he just keeps on giving Pharaoh an opportunity to repent, 
But Pharaoh refuses to do so. And so God tells him, if you refuse to let them go, verse 2, and you tighten your grip, that's what it literally means. You tighten your grip. You refuse to let them go. God says that He's going to bring a judgment upon the cattle of the field. Verse 3 describes all the various animals that would be affected. Horses, asses, camels, oxen, sheep. And the Bible says there will be a disease that is called murrain here that will hit them. Now this particular disease has horrible effects upon animals so that they would even die. Now if we look at this it's very interesting because the cattle that are mentioned here there is a false god that is worshipped by the Egyptians. It's called Apis the Bull. There are other false animals that are worshipped as well. The Bible says that these animals are going to be stricken with the disease. They are a picture of a false god. It's a horrible thing when your god gets a disease. While you wake up and think about that. You understand what I just said? It's a horrible thing when your God gets a disease. Our God doesn't get a disease. Amen? But the representation of a false God which they worshipped, Apis the bull, is fixing to be diseased, judged by Almighty God. Amen? The Bible goes on and says, in verse 1, if you look at it, God is saying, let my people go. He said, they belong to me. If you don't let what belongs to me go, I'm going to judge your God, your false God, with a disease. Amen? It means your God doesn't have much power if He can get a disease. Amen. Y'all hearing me today? These are God's people. He said, they're my people. They belong to me. And if you don't give to God what God asked for, you're robbing you realize that this morning you could come in here and I could come in here this morning if you come with the wrong spirit the wrong attitude whether you realize it or not you're robbing God you're robbing God is what of what is due him and that is a heart that is right with him a heart that is not hardy a heart that's right with him and I sad to say early this morning very early this morning up and pray and the Lord began to reveal to me some things about this it, begin to talk to me about even in this church that oftentimes we come into the sanctuary many of us maybe including myself at times we come in here and we are robbing God and we think about that just along Malachi chapter 3 and verse 8 about will a man rob God of the tithes and the offerings and sometimes we think well as long as we're bringing our tithes and our offerings to the Lord we're not robbing God but if we're not worshiping God Worship is with Him. If I don't worship Him this morning, I'm robbing Him of due worship. If I come, you know, you understand that God should be glorified. And there are a lot of glory thieves in the house of the Lord. Because they come and their hearts are not right with Him. Their spirits are not right with Him. And what happens is, is they begin to be the focal point of the congregation. No, God should be the focal point of the congregation. What belongs to God, what God asked for, if it belongs to Him, if I don't give it to Him, I'm robbing God. My heart's not right to Him. I'm robbing God. 
if my life is not lived the way it should be lived according to the word of God and according to the commandments of God I'm robbing God because I belong to God and you belong to God number one he created us number two he redeemed us by his blood I'm purchased with a price I don't belong to myself anymore you don't belong to yourself anymore you try to make yourself to be God and you're the one that's calling the shots in your life and you come in here with a horrible attitude and a horrible spirit you are a thief and you might say well I'll just go on home then pastor will you just go right ahead and go home and you watch the judgments come upon you because you are not giving to God what you should give to God it doesn't matter how I feel I didn't feel good this morning Amen. I, I mean, I'm just serious. I'll be honest with you. I'm a human being. And the Bible says the priest of the Lord even have infirmities. I wasn't feeling good this morning. I just, I was over my sink and I couldn't stop coughing. I couldn't stop getting, I couldn't get rid of the allergies out of my face, you know. But I want to tell you something. No matter how I feel this morning, good, bad, whatever in my body, He's still my God and He still deserves to be praised. And if He doesn't heal me instantly, I'm still going to glorify Him. Because I remember He did say that even His priests have infirmities. All of us have weaknesses in our bodies. All of us have struggles. All of us have things in life that we're going through. But we have to overcome those. Why? Because we need to glorify God. No matter how we feel, no matter what the tests are, no matter what the trials are, no matter what I'm going through, if I'm not getting my way, or if I am getting my way, He's still God. I belong to Him. And I need to live my life for Him. If I don't give my time to God, I'm robbing God. If I don't give my prayer to God, I'm robbing God. If I don't give my worship to God, I'm robbing God. If I come in this church and I just have a, a pity party and I feel sorry for myself, I'm robbing God. May the Lord have mercy on all of us. Because God comes and He asks just like He told Pharaoh, let my people go. They belong to me. And if you don't let my people go, then you're robbing me. You're robbing me of the right to have them to go and to worship me and to glorify me and to serve me in the wilderness. You are a thief, Pharaoh. If you don't give me what belongs to me. The judgment of God is born to God. The Bible says the judgment even begins at the house of God. It begins at the house of God. Did you notice? And this came to me, I think it's a revelation from God, that the first few plagues also came upon the church. Have you ever saw that or not? There's so many people that preach that the church is not going to go into the tribulation period. It's going to be secretly raptured and, and saved from that time called the tribulation period. I personally don't agree with that. Amen. I believe the church is going to be here on planet earth when the judgments of God begin to fall upon the earth. The Bible says judgment begins, must first begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us, what, what shall befall those who don't know God? You think about that. See, when I begin to think about this, you know, there were some things even in the church in Israel that needed to be dealt with. They had some things wrong within them. 
In fact, accusing Moses of all kinds of things. You know, when things got harder for him, they had a hard heart too to begin with. God had to come. And He had to allow His church to go through some of the first plagues. Amen. But I believe something changed in their heart. God, at some point, no longer would allow those judgments to come upon the land of Israel. Goshen, where they were staying. Amen. We come in here today. In some ways, we need God to judge us. There's some stuff in us that needs to be removed out of us. There's some things that's not right in our hearts. And, and you know, we want to point the finger at Pharaoh and, you know what I'm saying, rightly so in some sense, point the finger at Pharaoh and say, how can he be so stubborn? How can he be so hard-headed? How can he persist in saying no to God? Maybe we shouldn't be too hard on Pharaoh until we look at our own life. Because you and I know more about God than Pharaoh ever knew about God. And how hard-headed can you be? And how hard-headed can I be? How, how hard-headed, you know, you, you know, we're trying to, we're trying to be Christians. So maybe we really, when we think about Pharaoh, we really shouldn't be too critical of, of Pharaoh. Are you hearing me? Until we look at our own life. I'm not trying to beat you up this morning, but I'm a human being and you're a human being. I know there's stuff in me that belongs to God. There's stuff in your life that belongs to God. And if I withhold that, I'm a thief. And I don't want to be a thief. And I don't believe you want to be a thief. Hallelujah. Give the Lord praise. If you don't honor God with your life, you're stealing from Him. You're stealing honor from God. You don't give your heart to the Lord. It's one thing in the Psalms. This one Psalm has said, God said through him, Son, give me thy heart. Give me your heart. It belongs to me. So really, honestly, we ought to be fully engaged in our love for God, body, soul, and spirit. With all of our strength, with all of our might, with all of our hearts, because we belong to God. He died for us. And just because things are not going the way that I think they should go, doesn't mean that God is still not God in my life. Just because He doesn't come and answer my prayer instantly and instantaneously and, and I still find myself in situation, He's still God and He's worthy of worship. He's worthy of my praise and I'm not going to be a glory thief. I'm not going to come to the house of God with a bad attitude. Amen. No matter how I feel, no matter what I'm going through, I'm going to get up off my seat and I'm going to lift my hands to God because my praise needs to be sent to Him. He is worthy to be worshipped. He's worthy to be served. He's worthy to be lived for. And the sad part about it is this. Is that sometimes, even us, because we're so hard-headed, God has to allow, and in some cases, send judgments to our life even the church. One problem after another. One difficulty after another. And the problem is oftentimes is that when they start coming to us, we just get harder. Instead of allowing them to soften us, and to, instead of allowing them to humble us, we get more prideful and we get harder and I'm speaking to the church. Why do we need to let, you know, experience one
catastrophe after another, one judgment after another. Why do we allow ourselves to get hardened before we finally down the knees and say, yes, Lord? Amen. And you know, sometimes people get bored with this kind of thing. They get bored with this kind of teaching, but I'm going to tell you something. God can get bored with you too real fast. It's His mercy and it's His grace that He even knows where I am today. Who is man, man that thou art mindful of Him and the Son of Man that thou didst visit this to Him? Do you understand that? The fact that He even has His mind on me this morning is an honor. It is a privilege of God Almighty to be in the house of the Lord today. So I'm going to give what He deserves. I'm going to give what belongs to Him. My life, my money, my worship, my prayer, my time. Amen. Serving Him with all of my heart. That's what He's after. He said, but I'm going through things, Pastor. Everybody goes through things. But you've got to stop using that as an excuse. If it's keeping what belongs to God from being given to Him then every one of us in this church this morning is a thief. I can be a thief. You can be a thief. You say, but I brought my tithes and offerings this morning, Pastor. That should be good enough. No. How's my attitude this morning? How's my spirit? How do I live from Wednesday to Sunday and Sunday to Wednesday? How do I I live during the week? Am I just a Christian on the weekend or the high holy days? Or am I a Christian every day of my life? Am I Christian at the workplace? Am I Christian everywhere I go? Am I still a Christian when I leave the church? Just maybe the Lord is saying to me early this morning that there are people in the church, maybe I'll put myself in pray. In fact, I'll just do that. Put myself in that place where we are robbing God for things. For whatever reason, we think we deserve better than what we're getting. Friend, they're not taking us right now and putting us in prison and cutting our head off. How is it that we can come to church and we have so much and we haven't resisted unto blood? None of you have given your blood for Jesus Christ. You know, you have one little test, one little trial. The Bible says if we if we don't have faith when we go through these little afflictions, our, our faith is small. Come on, church. I really wonder if the United States of America is ready for about what is, is about to come on uh, this nation as far as the judgments of God. Am I ready for what is about to take place? If one little inconvenience or one little test or trial comes your way and it completely wipes us out, are we really ready for what is about to come? I want to be ready, don't you? I want to give to God what belongs to God. Amen. So he told Pharaoh, he said, you let my people go. They belong to me. You're robbing God Almighty if you don't. He says, if you don't, judgment's going to come upon the cattle in the fields. And verse 4, the Lord says, I will sever between the cattle of Israel and the cattle of Egypt, and there shall nothing die of all that is in the children of Israel. God said, I put my favor on my people. At the beginning, the judgment still came on them. But something's changed. So now he says, I'm no longer going to be sending those plagues on my people. I am going to put my favor on them. And none of their cattle, 
None of their oxen, none of their horses, none of their sheep, none of them are going to die. Only the Egyptians. See, if you and I are true believers and we're faithful to God, God will make a distinction between us and the judgments that have come upon this world. I still believe we're going to be here on planet Earth, but God can separate us and protect us from those judgments when they begin to fall upon this earth, just like He did Israel here in the Old Testament. But God in His goodness, God in His mercy, came to favor one more time. He said, I'm going to give you another chance. I'm going to give you another opportunity. The goodness of God. That man didn't deserve another opportunity. How many of you and I deserve another opportunity? There's literally thousands of people who have never heard the gospel one time. Why should I get a second chance? It's because of the goodness of God. There should be nobody more thankful than you, my friend. There should be nobody more, more on fire for God than you, my friend. Because you know more than Pharaoh knew. You know more. Listen, church, you know more about God than most people on planet Earth. We should be the most on fire. And in some cases, we are a church that's on fire. And I thank God for that. I don't want to take it all away. But there's still more we can give. Amen. There's still more fire. There's still more intensity. There's, there's still more dedication. There's still more discipleship. Hallelujah. To the Lord. Amen. And when you give yourself totally to God, God begins to bless you. Put His favor on your life. He... He made a distinction, verse 4, between His people and Egypt. And the Lord appointed a set time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord shall do this thing in the land. And the Lord did that thing on the morrow. And all the cattle of Egypt died. But the cattle of the children of Israel died not. See, before you'll see the judgments of God as they came. Moses would pray and God would stop the judgments. He allowed, allowed him to go to a certain point and prayer was lifted up and the judgment stopped. This judgment here didn't stop until every one of them. It's a horrible thing for a judgment to stop when everything's wiped out. Does that make sense to you? See, in the other judgments of God, before there was a total devastation Moses could pray and the judgments would stop. But here the Bible says this judgment did not stop until it was totally complete. That's a horrible way for judgment to be. And that is when everything is destroyed. There wasn't one oxen, there wasn't one sheep, there wasn't one horse left in the land of Egypt. Only God's people. The judgment was so complete and so thorough that Moses did not even pray for it to stop before everything was wiped out. The judgment's now getting progressively worse as they come. So that now this one, the judgment's only stopped when everything is completely destroyed as far as the, these animals are concerned. Look at it. In verse 7, and Pharaoh sent, and behold, there was not one of the cattle of the Israelites dead, just like God had said. See, it wasn't an afterthought with God. 
God had spoken through Moses. Moses said, not one of the cattle are going to die in, in, in Israelite territory. Not one. Moses stood up and he prophesied that. He prophesied the judgment and the judgment came. The word of the Lord was true. What God said came to pass. And where God made a distinction, He said, it's not going to come upon my people. God's Word was true. The Bible says that Pharaoh went to check it out. To see if the prophecy was accurate. To see if what God had said had come to pass. And the Bible says they went and checked it out. And he found out that the Word of God is true. And just like God had said through Moses, not one of them, not even one, would die. Not one was killed. Because God's Word is true. And the prophecies were 100% accurate. They weren't 50% accurate. They weren't half right and half wrong. They were 100% accurate. Everything was wiped out of the Egyptians. And not one was wiped out of God's people. And Pharaoh checked it out. He found out that the word of the Lord is 100% true. It's 100% accurate. Not 99%. 100%. If it's a true prophecy from God, it'll be 100% accurate. Not 99%. 100%. And so I want you to think about it as Pharaoh went and he discovered that the word of the Lord was true 100%. Not one animal was killed just as it was prophesied. Now Pharaoh's got knowledge. He's got head knowledge. He's got facts. But what is he going to do with the head knowledge? Same thing so many of us do. We get head knowledge. We come to church, 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 church. We hear the Word of God and all we get is head knowledge. Pharaoh got head knowledge that the Word of God was 100% accurate. But he hardened his heart. See, the problem with unbelief is not a lack of knowledge, head knowledge. Unbelief is a part say, well, if they would have had more knowledge, they would have believed, not always. Because the Bible says that Pharaoh had the head knowledge. He had the facts that the word of the Lord had come to pass 100%. But he still hardened his heart. You and I can hear the word of God constantly over and over and over and accumulate so many facts in our heads, but if it does not affect our hearts, that's where unbelief is going to begin. Pharaoh had head knowledge, but he didn't have heart knowledge. The Bible says he sent, verse 7, and there was not one of the cattle of Israelites dead, and the heart of Pharaoh was hardened. And he did not let them. He kept tightening his grip. Even though he knew in his head, he knew in his head that God was right. He knew in his head that the word of the Lord was true. He knew it in his head. Like so many of us do. We know in our heads. But the unbelief comes not because we have a lack of knowledge in our heads. It's because we got heart problems. We got heart problems. 
his heart was hardened and he did not let the people go. Verse 8, God's going to send another judgment. This one's without warning. The other time we've seen in the previous time the same thing, similar thing took place when the judgment of God came without warning. Now, this time, without warning, this judgment hits, the sixth judgment. And the Bible tells us the way it comes about. Verse 8. And the Lord said unto Moses and unto Aaron, Take to thy handfuls of ash of the furnace and let Moses sprinkle it toward the heaven in the side of Pharaoh. Unusual. Aaron goes over and he goes to the furnace and he get, gathers a couple of handfuls of ash in, like this. And then God says, Moses, you go and you get the ash out of his hand and you throw it up to the heavens. See, Aaron doesn't get to throw it up into the heavens. Again, he's the lesser of the two. Moses says, as God, God's representative and Pharaoh is as, a, as God's prophet. So there is a designation of authority here. So Aaron holds the ashes but it's Moses that throws them to the heavens. Now why, why would God tell him to go and gather ashes out of the furnace? God could smite the land with the boils any way he chose to. But instead, he goes and says, Aaron, you go get ashes in your hands and Moses is going to cast the ashes up. You go get that which is left over. Ashes are that, that which is left from that which was burned. You go get those ashes and you put them in your hands and you let Moses throw them up into the face. Have you ever wondered why? judgment. Remember, this was the very place that the Israelites had to go to to make their bricks. As they went to that furnace to make their bricks, the Israelites were suffering in their labors. We've already read it. And God cared about His people. He cared about what they were going through. He had compassion upon them. We've already read it. He saw their hard labor got so bad that Pharaoh even removed the straw. They had to go gather straw for their bricks and then go and make those bricks in those furnaces. So now God says the place where my people suffer is now going to come upon the Egyptians. The place of the furnace. You created suffering from my people and now God says from that very place that my people suffered, now you're going to suffer. Go get the ashes from the furnace. Secondarily, there was a false god in Egypt called Typhon. And this false god required human sacrifices. So God says, I'm going to judge the sacrifices of that false god in the fire. I'm going to judge another false god of Egypt here. He requires sacrifice by fire. And now I'm going to take that furnace, that, the ashes of that furnace, and I'm going to use it as a judgment against this false god. 
Moses take those ashes and cast them into the heavens right in front of Pharaoh. Pharaoh is standing there. He can't stop the judgment. The ashes are thrown into the heavens and they turn into very, very small particles. Those particles fill the whole land of Egypt. Falls upon the people and boils begin to break out all over their bodies. The Bible calls them blains. A blain is an ulcerating sore. Just an oozing, ulcerating sore from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. They can't walk. They can't do anything. They're covered with these ulcerating sores. But the Bible says, not only did those boils come upon those people in Egypt and cause inconvenience, but at this point, the magicians could no longer stand in the presence of Moses. This will be the last time that you will read about these magicians. We read about them in the past, how they tried to duplicate, and they in some cases duplicated the judgments. They couldn't stop the judgments, but they duplicated them. Their effort was then simply to oppose God and to seek to turn people away from the Lord. When they duplicated some of those judgments, it wasn't so that people would honor God. It's so people would say, see, we don't need God. Our magicians can do the same thing. Our magicians can imitate what God does. So what they did was in opposition to, to God. And it was seeking to turn people away from God. But now the Bible says that these magicians, these sorcerers, these people involved in witchcraft, could no longer even stand in the presence of Moses. This is the last time you will hear it. Those things they seek to hinder witchcraft, the spirit of witchcraft, the spirit of sorcery, seeking to imitate the things of God. What it does is it turns people away from the Lord. It opposes God. But there will come a time when God says, those kind of people will be removed. Those kind of people that are practicing witchcraft, that are practicing control, those people are going to be removed and you'll not see them again and they won't even be able to stand in the presence of Moses. God's judgment came upon them so thoroughly they were covered with boils over there, all over their bodies. There's one thing that I do know as a pastor. And I was praying this morning the Lord also brought clarity to, to this area to me that there are there is witchcraft that is often used in this church and say but no no pastor what do you mean we, we don't see all witchcraft going on here disobedience to God's word is witchcraft obedience is better than sacrifice we walk in disobedience to God we disobey the word of the Lord we're practicing witchcraft. You come in here in the house of the Lord and 
You're so stubborn and, and no matter what is preached to you and no matter what happens in your life, you refuse to get right with God. In your spirit, you fold your arms and you refuse to move. You don't realize it, but that's witchcraft. You're trying to use witchcraft to get your way. Until God does it my way, I'm just, I'm not going to live for you. That's witchcraft. Witchcraft comes in all kinds of forms. Jezebel's spirit. The woman in the ephah. Comes in all kinds of, of forms. Seductive spirits. Worship of nature. Comes in all kinds of Right here in our country, people are practicing witchcraft. Right here in Odessa, Texas, people are practicing witchcraft. I've known people that used to attend this church years and years ago. When I corrected them, they left the house of God. They got mad and left the house of God. And since the day they left the house of God, they tried to destroy this church. They're witches. They're involved with witchcraft. Because I promise you, if those people, if I was in the will of God and I left one church and I went to another church, there is absolutely no way that I would try to destroy the church that I left. No way. But the fact that they are so bold and so brazen that they could try to destroy this church and the people of God, they are involved in witchcraft. says I'm going to judge it and when I judge it it won't even be able to stand in the presence of Moses that which, that which seeks to hinder God being God that which seeks to hinder God being God in your life those magicians oh for a little while They'll be able to practice their sorcery for a little while. They'll be able to duplicate the judgments for a little while. But at some point, God says, I'm going to send judgments on them. I'm going to send balls on them. And they will not be able to stand in the presence of Moses ever again. Are you here with me today? And I know. And I'm not paranoid. And I'm not, you know, crazy. know that there's a spirit of witchcraft that seeks to destroy the church of the living God. You and I need to be absolutely sure that what we're walking in is the Spirit of God and the anointing of God based on the Word of God because when you leave the Word of God you are leaving God. As a pastor, you realize that pastors can use witchcraft on people? Control, trying to control them. It's not based on the Word of God. It's not based on the Spirit of God. It's not based on the authority of God. It's about their own desires. Pastors can control people. 
that's witchcraft. It's going beyond and above their right, rightful authority. Witchcraft is being practiced. I'm not trying to scare you. Because the Bible says the people of God didn't experience one boy. The people of God didn't experience even one blame on their body. The judgment fell upon the unbelievers and the judgments fell upon the magicians, the witchcraft, people that practice witchcraft, it fell upon them and God judged them and this is the last time you ever hear about them again. I mean, they've they got so many balls all over them. they got balls on the bottom of their feet. They couldn't even get up and walk in front of Moses if they wanted to. It's a judgment of God. Judgment on that false God. Judgment upon Egypt's causing the Israelites, the people of God, to suffer. Let's read it. Verse 9. He says, When that ash is cast in the air, it shall become small dust in all the land of Egypt. It shall be a ball breaking forth with blains upon man, upon beast, throughout all the land of Egypt. Well, I thought all the beasts had been killed. These are the ones that were that replaced the ones that were killed. They had to go and all their animals were killed. They had to go and they had to buy some more. And they had to bring them back into the land. And the ones they re replaced the dead ones with. Now, they're even being afflicted in On man, upon beast, verse 11, the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boys. For the boil was upon magicians and upon all the magicians. Say this to you right now. I do not fear witchcraft. I do not fear people trying to put spells on me. I don't fear it at all. Because the Bible reminds me that a curse without a cause will return to where it was if somebody tries to curse you and tries to put a spell on you and that curse comes over here and it tries to activate in your life if there is no reason for you to be cursed that curse will turn around and go straight back to the one that's you ever seen a boomerang throw that thing here it comes man come right back to you that's what happens to people when they try to curse the people of God and there's no cause for that curse to land. That curse will just boomerang right back and it will hit me. I don't fear witchcraft. I don't fear spells. Amen. I just get up and I just start praying. I say in the name of Jesus, I come against witchcraft. I come against the spirit of witchcraft. In the name of the Lord Jesus. And I say, Lord, there is no cause for that to land on me. There's no cause for that to land on my family. There's no cause for that to land on the people of God. You said it would return. Amen. 
Egyptian magicians could not stand in the presence of Moses because they're covered with boils. Somebody say praise the Lord. And the Lord, now it says, and the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh. And he hearkened not unto them as the Lord had spoken unto Moses. He's been hardening his own heart. He refused to believe. He refused to let the people of God go. Judgment after a judgment after a judgment after opportunity, opportunity, opportunity. Now the Bible says, God hardens his heart. Basically, if you can understand it this way, it's the law of unbelief. The more you and I allow unbelief into our heart and our life, it is a law of God that unbelief creates hardness. So the more you and I today allow unbelief in our heart, the harder we're getting. To the point the Lord will say, you hardened your heart, I hardened your heart. Because when you violated my law by unbelief, it brought hardness to your life. You want to go a certain direction and nothing can stop you and you've made up your mind no matter what judgment comes your way that you're going to do it this way and you're not going to do it God's way. You're going to do it your way and I'm going to tell you one problem after another after another is going to come your way. And you keep hardening your heart in unbelief. God says, okay, go ahead. You can have it your way. That's the worst thing that you could ever experience is that one when God gives you up. You realize it's not even when God is sending divine judgments upon a person's life. One problem after another to try to get them to repent. That's not, that's not the worst thing that can happen to you. The worst thing that can happen to you is God says, I'm leaving you alone. I'm giving you up to a reprobate mind. That's the worst thing that could ever happen to anybody is when God, you better thank God when correction's coming. If you're out of the will of God, if you're walking in unbelief, if you're sinning against God, you and I need to thank God. I need to thank God if He sends one trouble after another to me to try to wake me up, to turn me around. You need to thank God for it because if He ever says, I'm done with you, that is the worst judgment that you could ever experience. God says, I'm done. You go right ahead. You have it your way. That's the worst thing. One of the things that does create concern in me, again, is not witchcraft or spells or anything like that being put on me. Or the church even. Unless there's something in your life that will allow it to come. What you listen to will allow a spirit to come. What you watch on television will allow the spirit to come. How you live your life if it's in disobedience to God will allow the curse to come. You're where you need to be. The curse has no reason to come. 
curses don't scare the, the people of God that live for God. I tell you what, concerns me. It's to go in that prayer room and to lift my hands and pray and not feel God. come in the presence of God. We ought to come into church and see people worshiping God and speaking in tongues and people feeling God and you lift your hands and you don't feel God. That concerns me. That's the worst thing that could ever happen to you or to me. As God says. You want it your way? Have it your way. Bible says. God is about to pronounce a judgment on Pharaoh that should have scared him to death. What God is about to say to Pharaoh now should have caused him to repent immediately. Let's see what God tells him. Verse 13, The Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning, stand before Pharaoh, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For I will at this time send all my plagues upon thine heart, upon thy servants and upon thy people, that thou mayest know that there is none like me in all the earth. That should have scared him captivity. It should have caused him to repent instantly. When God says, I'm going to send my plagues, not just on your land. He said, I'm going to send my plagues on your heart. I'm going to send my plagues on your servants. I'm going to send plagues on your family. God is saying to Pharaoh, you are bringing the judgment of God Almighty on your own house. Because you won't do what you're supposed to do. The judgment of God is going to come on your workers. It's going to come on your home. But more importantly, it's going to come on your heart. You're going to experience grief and pain inside of you like you have never known before. You're going to be heartbroken. When God hits your heart with the plague, pain and the suffering on the inside of you. You know, friend, you can experience physical things in your life, but there's nothing more painful than heart pain. I promise you, church, I want to live in such a way before my God that God doesn't come to me and say, I'm going to send a judgment on you that's going to break your heart. You're going to experience so much grief, so much suffering on the inside because you would not repent. You and I can handle physical pain. 
even better than we can hardly. The people today, even in the church of the living God, are experiencing anguish in their hearts. Their hearts are broken. In some cases, maybe for no reason at all, as far as they're concerned. But on the other hand, maybe it is. Maybe it is the result of something that that person has done. That's not even, not even known by the pastor. That's not even known by the church, but was known by that individual. And when the test came, all it did was reveal what the person was really like. Because oftentimes, until the judgments come, until the testing comes, you really don't know what people's life, you don't want to know what's inside of them. But when the test comes, and the trial comes, and the judgment comes, you find out real quick what that person's really like. And sometimes we look at it and we say, oh, poor brother so-and-so. Oh, poor sister so-and-so. My wife sometimes says, poor so-and-so. I said, they not poor. I said, stop calling them poor. They not poor. Oh, but they're such good people. You don't know them like God knows them. I start going through things, and I've been through some things in my life. First thing I go to with God is I start talking about my relationship with God. And I say, God, is there something I've done to bring this on? Are you judging me? In my house, if something happens in my house and there's conflict in my house, God, something wrong. What's wrong? Is there something wrong? Am I doing something wrong, God? First thing you need to check out, man, you start, you know, obviously there's persecution that comes to the believer. But this is not persecution on the believer. This is a judgment from God because of unbelief and hardness of heart. says, you harden your heart, I'm going to hit your heart with pain and suffering and grief like you have never experienced in your life. This is a hard word. In fact, you say, you're preaching a hard word this morning. Well, it's okay to preach a hard word. I'm not preaching hard. I might preach a hard word, but I'm not preaching hard. There's a difference between hard preaching and, and a hard truth to accept. Best thing you can you and I can do right now is to soften our heart before God Almighty. Start believing with your heart, not just your head. Start living the way you should be living, so you don't experience that grief in heart. I don't believe that's what what God wants, but that's what we bring on ourselves oftentimes.
in all the times I've preached this to y'all, preached this area of the Word of God to y'all, I've never seen this before. I've preached these judgments that came upon the land, but I never, for some reason, I never heard or saw where God said, I'm sending my plague on your heart. Get ready for agony. Get ready for pain on the inside. Pray well like you've never had before. I'm going to hit your servants because your unbelief and your hardness of heart is affecting other people. I'm going to hit your servants and I'm going to hit your family, those of your house. Even with death. Tenth plague when Pharaoh loses his his son, his firstborn son, and the Egyptians lose their firstborn son. There was a weeping through all the land of Egypt when they picked up their dead children into their arms because of their rebellion against God Almighty. The pain and the agony and the screaming and crying out of the Egyptians when their children are dead. What is it going to take for people to humble themselves before a mighty God to know that He has the ability if He so choose to come and even snatch up those of our own family because of a judgment. about you, but I'm going to pray before that happens. I'm going to pray before those kinds of judgments come. I'm going to to pray before my heart's broken. I'm going to pray. I'm going to get right. Hallelujah. If if something happens to my family, remember there's one thing, listen to me, one thing for sure, I don't want it to come back on my head. If something happens to my family, I want to know it wasn't because of me. It wasn't because of my rebellion, my stubbornness, my disobedience. I need to know that, church, and you need to know that. Because God is very clear in His Word today. And I know some of you don't, want, don't like this. You don't believe it's in the Bible. You can't believe what you're hearing. But this is what God said. God said, I'm going to plague your hearts, your servants, and your house. You are bringing the judgments of God upon your own family. I tell you, church, as soon as Pharaoh heard that come from the lips of Moses, he should have immediately repented. It should have scared him half to death. Threw up his hand and said, I let go of my grip. I'll do what God said. What would you do if a word from God came to you like this? God said, I'm fixing to send a plague against your heart, against your servants, and against your house. What would you have done? I'd like to thank and pray to God. I'd like to think that if somebody brought a word of judgment like that to me, I'd be running to the altar. 
I'd be making the changes I need to make. But that old heart that's on the inside of every one of us, including your pastor, the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? And these judgments that are coming upon Pharaoh are only manifesting what kind of person he was. And God's given him one opportunity after another to get rid of his pride. goodness of God even in here in this that before the man experiences the judgment on his servants on his household and judgment on his own heart God is telling him you can still repent you can stop it from happening it doesn't have to happen you can stop it he hardens his heart first Anything that replaces God from being God in your life. Anything that replaces your obedience to the Word of God in your life is subject to the judgment of God. I know people that got married out of the will of God. Church, listen to me. I'm going to share something. This is personal, but I'm going to share it with you. My sister and her husband, first husband, got baptized in Jesus' name and got filled with the Holy Ghost. But because my sister didn't want to live holiness, she pulled him out of the church. He ended up committing adultery on my sister. Ended up in divorce. He should have stayed in the church even if my sister didn't want to stay in the church. He should have stayed in the church. Anything you put in front of God, you're going to end up losing. God is not going to have rivals. God is a God, is a God who is jealous. You put anybody and anything ahead of God, and God's going to take it out of your life. You don't like to hear that. I remember my, my, my sister got married a second time. I'd go into her house and I would tell her husband and her, you need to turn to God. You need to get in the church. You need to get filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, her second husband, and live for God. Refused to. Divorced today. doesn't work. When you leave God out of your life and you try to replace it with a person or something else, it doesn't work. You're going to end up losing it. This man, this Pharaoh, because of his pride, his rebellion, his witchcraft, he's bringing the judgment of God on himself, on his family, and even on his workers. 
still won't repent. Strong word. But it came out of love. God wouldn't even have warned if He didn't love. God wouldn't even have warned if He wasn't a good God. But here He comes to a man that doesn't deserve another warning at all. And He'll go on, go on, go on, God will go on and say to Him, I'm going to cut you off of planet Earth. I'm going to take your life and I'm going to cut you off from planet Earth. First, he experiences heartbreak. Grief and suffering on the inside. He experiences that first. He sees his suffer, servant suffer. He sees the death of his own child. He sees all of that first. And then God says, ultimately, I'm going to cut you off of planet Earth. I'm going to take your life. He drowned in the Red Sea. Just like God said. God gave one warning. One goodness after another. These judgments were really the goodnesses of God. He gave one goodness after another goodness after another goodness to try to give these people an opportunity to repent. One warning after another. One opportunity after another. So God says, now... This is ultimately what's going to happen. Broken heart. Pain and suffering, grief on the inside like you've never known. Judgment upon your servants. On your household. Even death of your firstborn. Which he will find out later. And ultimately God is going to kill them. But I don't know a God like that. You don't know the God of the Bible. See, the problem with the church and the problem with people is they only want to take certain parts of God. God, you need, there's another side to God. That's called His judgment. You start doing your own thing, disobeying His divine laws, you will set in, you will. It, when we violate the Word of God and we disobey the laws of God, judgment is already set in motion against us. You do your own thing. How many of y'all want pain? I don't want pain. I want blessing. I want peace in my home. Are you with me? I want to be experiencing good things. God wants to do. But some people just won't listen. They won't listen. You tell them and you tell them and you tell them and you tell them and they just won't listen. It's going to get worse. I lift up my hands this morning and say, I want to listen. No one. 
Verse 15, For now I will stretch out my hand that I may smite thee. He says, I'm going to smite you. I'm going to smite your people with pestilence. And thou shalt be cut off from the earth. Very rarely when I preach does my heart beat so rapidly. I normally don't feel my heart beating in my chest like I do right now, but my heart is beating rapidly in my chest. Why don't we listen to God? Why don't we start listening? You have in times past what's changed. Verse 16, And in very deed for this cause have I raised thee up for to show in thee my power that my name be declared throughout all the earth. He's the God of all the earth. Verse 17, As yet, exaltest thyself against my people and thou wilt not let them go. God says, What's driving this is your pride. You're exalting yourself. You won't let my people go. You won't do it my way. It's pride. Pride caused the most beautiful archangel in the world to be cast out. The most beautiful archangel in the heavens to be cast out. His pride, Isaiah 14, read it. He said, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. Five times he said, I will. In rebellion against the Word of God, I will. And he was cast out of heaven. He was lifted up in pride. The fall of man in the Garden of Eden. The pride of life. Lust of the eyes. Lust of the flesh. And the pride of life is what caused that man to fall in the Garden. Pride. Pride gets a hold of you, gets a hold of me. That haughty spirit that's the thing that refuses to yield to God. It's eyes me. His pride is getting him. He's exalted himself against his people. God's people, thou wilt not let them go. Behold, tomorrow about this time I will cause it to rain a very grievous hell, such as hath not been in Egypt since the foundation thereof even until now. Verse 19, Send therefore now and gather thy cattle and all that thou hast in the field. For upon every man and beast which shall be found in the field shall not be brought home. And shall not be brought home. The hell shall come down upon them and they shall die. He that feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and his cattle flee into the house. And he that regarded not the word of the Lord left his servants and his cattle in the field. God said, look church, listen. God said, I'm going to send the judgment. The judgment's coming and you can't stop the judgment. But the goodness of God says, I'm going to show you how to avoid the consequence. If you will listen to my word and get your cattle out of the field, bring them into protection, bring them into your houses, even though the judgment's coming because you obeyed the word of the Lord, you will avoid the consequence of that judgment.
But if you don't obey the word of the Lord, you leave your cattle out in the fields, the hell is going to kill them. The word of God is always a separator. To those that obey the word of God, they avoid the consequences. For those who disobey the word of God, the judgment and the consequence of the judgment falls upon them. You see that? All they had to do is obey the Word of God. Verse 20, He that feared the Word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and his cattle flee into his house. He that regarded not the Word of the Lord left his servants and his cattle in the field. How many of y'all love the living Word, Jesus? You'll avoid the consequence of judgment. How many of you love His written Word? You will avoid His judgment. When you hear it and you obey it, Oh yes, judgments are coming on this earth. But for those who hear and obey the Word of God, they're going to avoid the consequences of those judgments. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. This was not just... This was Pharaoh's people. The Egyptians could be spared. In verse 22, The Lord said unto Moses, Stretch forth thine hand toward heaven, that there may be hell in all the land of Egypt upon man, upon beast, upon every herb of the field throughout all the land of Egypt. The Bible says, you have time to read it, it was such a devastating hailstorm, Thundering and lightning. So much lightning in the storm that the lightning hit the ground and lightning was running on the top of the earth. Those hailstones fell upon man. They fell upon beasts. They fell upon the herbs of the field. It was a devastating hailstorm. Like the book of Revelation talks about 100 pound, one talent hailstones, 100 pound hailstones in the future will fall to the earth. 100 pound hailstones will level this building. Level it. And that day you could run into your house. You could bring your animals into the house. You could be protected from that hailstorm. But the one that's going to come upon planet Earth, 100 pound hailstones will level buildings. You find a cave. If you happen to be in that time, you, you need to find a cave somewhere because a building won't protect you. We had hailstorm not long ago in the month of June, first part of the month of June is what my insurance company said the timing of it was. There were some pretty good hailstones, man. They hit my house and the adjuster showed me the pictures. Knocked huge chunks of shingle out of my shingles. Small hailstones compared to 100 pound hailstones. The damage devastating it's coming the world has never seen it before we read these judges and we think about how bad how bad they were they are nothing in comparison to what's going to happen on planet earth verse 24 
hell and fire mingled with the hell. Very grievous such as there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And the hell smote throughout all the land of Egypt and all that was in the field, both man, beast. Hell smote every herb of the field and break every tree in the field. Only in the land of Goshen where the children of Israel were was there no hell. Only where Israel was, there was no hell. God preserved His people from that judgment. This is a judgment upon the atmosphere, God. They worship the atmosphere. Shoo! They worship that false god. God says, I'm superior. I'm superior to Apis the bull. I can smite it with disease. That God. I'm superior to Typhon. I'm superior to that God that requires sacrifice in the fire. I'm superior to the God of the atmosphere. I'm in control of everything. Judgment even upon the atmosphere. Verse 27, And Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron and said unto them, I have sinned this time. The Lord is righteous and I and my people are wicked. He even says he's a sinner. He says that his people are wicked. The problem is he doesn't, believe, he doesn't mean it. He's a phony. His repentance is phony. His confession is phony. He just says it. It's just lip service is all it is. You know what Moses says? I don't believe a word you're saying. I don't believe any... You, you say you're a sinner and your people are wicked. He said, Moses said, no. He said, you don't fear God. You don't fear God. You're a phony. I don't believe a word you're saying. See, that's what happens a lot of times. Trouble comes in people's lives. And they may even, even go to a point where they'll say, I'm a sinner and I'm hanging around wicked people and I'm wicked. But it's a phony repentance. And you and I have to be careful not to be gullible. Not to be pulled into the deception. Okay? Because in case you don't know it, every one of us in this church, we could be gullible and we could pull, be pulled right into deception by what comes out of people's mouth because they're saying what you want to hear. And they don't mean it. They just want to get out of the trouble. Then once the trouble's gone, you find out their repentance wasn't real at all. You say, well, I don't believe. I don't believe in that. I don't believe God does that. I don't believe God judges people and sends troubles to people's lives to get them to repent. Really? You don't know the Bible. And then when they come around you and they want to, you know, talk and, oh, I'm hurting so bad and I'm suffering so bad and, you know, and I know it's because I'm so wicked and I'm so evil. 
you ought to know by now what's true repentance and what's not. Verse 28, he says, Entreat the Lord, for it's enough that there be no more mighty thunderings. The literal Hebrew says, Pray to God that there be no voices of God. He said, Pray to God that there be no mighty thunderings. But the Hebrew says, Literally, pray to God that there be no more mighty voices of God. He's recognizing these are the judgments. These, are the, these judgments are the voices of, of God. Come on, Moses. Moses, pray. I'm a sinner. I know we're wicked. Moses, entreat that there be no more mighty voices of God. No more judgments. No more thunders. If you don't believe me, you don't have to have a concordance. You don't have to have a lexicon to... To know that if you got a good Bible right in the margin of your Bible right now, you can look over there and it will say the Hebrew, literal Hebrew, is the mighty voices of God. See, he knew that God was talking. But his repentance was phony. Entreat the Lord, for it is enough that there be no more mighty thunderings or mighty voices of God in hell. And I will let you go, and you shall stay no longer. And Moses said unto him, As soon as I am gone out of the city, I will spread upon my hands unto the Lord, and the thunder shall cease, neither shall there be any more hell, that thou mayest know how the earth is the Lord's. But as for thee and thy servants, I know that you will not fear the Lord God. He said, I know you're a phony. It takes a lot of courage. And it takes a lot of discernment too, doesn't it? When somebody's sitting there talking about, I'm a sinner, and I know all these things are happening to me because of my wickedness. And you think they're repenting because of what you're hearing with your ears. It takes a lot of discernment, a lot of courage. Look at that person and says, no, your repentance is phony right now. You don't need you don't mean business with God. You're just talking a good talk. Thank God Moses was the kind of man he wouldn't let, you know, himself be deceived. Wouldn't let the wool be pulled over his eyes. Wouldn't allow himself to be tricked. Amen. People come to you and they start threatening you with this and threatening you with that if you don't give in to them. You understand what I'm saying? You know what I tell people to do that to me? I had somebody got into a confrontation with not this long ago and they told me, they said, well, have a good life. I'm done. Have a good life. My response to them was, that works for me as well. You going to threaten me? I said, that works for me as well. Church, before it was all over, that person repented. And they did the right thing. 
you let people manipulate you and control you with witchcraft and threats like that, you will allow yourself to be deceived. You have to know when you have to take a stand and be courageous. Thank God for repentance, true repentance. We're all capable of being deceived. We're all capable of allowing the wool be pulled over our eyes. Hello, church. All of us are. But at some point, you've got to be like Moses and you've got to be strong enough and courageous enough to look at somebody in the eye and say, what's coming out of your mouth? You don't mean it at all. You don't fear God. You fear God, you would have the fruit of repentance. You fear God, you would have the works of repentance. You fear God, we would see it in your life, not just coming out of your mouth. Not just talking a good talk. Say praise the Lord. You've you got to know, and I have to know, when we have to stand. And I'm not going to get into details of that situation I just shared with you, but... I'm going to tell you, friend, the whole thing turned around. I can't help you. You can't help anybody by going around and acting like everything's okay. That's a bunch of foolishness. You are being deceived. You're being pulled down into the pit. You're losing your walk with God because you allow yourself to be lied to. Get some backbone. Get some courage. Get some strength. You're not being mean. So you're mean. No, it's not about being mean. It's about... You know, getting at some point said, I'm tired. You done, I'm done. Makes sense to you? It's really easy for us to talk about how strong we are. To Pharaoh, man. Considered to be a God who came down from the heavens. Moses said, You're a phony. You don't fear God. Good for you, Moses. You say, Pastor, I'm just hoping against hope. I understand. I understand. I hope against hope too. I understand. We're not talking about that here. We're talking about somebody who's persistent in rebellion and, un and disobedience to the word of the Lord and will not bow their knee to God. And is only talking the talk a little bit because they're having trouble. If it's real, they'll repent. If it's real, they'll be back in the church house. If it's real, they'll be living for God. Do you understand that? 
if it's real. It's hard sometimes. You know, Moses, as a preacher, you know what, if I was preaching, like Moses been preaching, judgment after judgment, falling upon people, and problem after problem, falling upon people, and they say, Pastor, we've sinned. Our people are wicked. I start saying, all right, praise God, we're getting somewhere. No, Moses knew better. He'd seen it over and over, brother. You don't fear God. Faith without works is dead. It's dead. There's no works that prove what you're saying. It's dead. Amen. How many of you want to be for real? For real. But as for thee and thy servants, I know that you will not yet fear the Lord God. And the flax and the barley was smitten, for the barley was in the ear, and the flax was boiled. But the wheat and the rye were not smitten, for they were not grown up. And Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh, spread abroad his hands unto the Lord. The thunders and the hail ceased, and the rain was not poured upon the earth. And when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunders were ceased, he sinned yet more. Just like Moses said. He just kept on sinning. And hardened his heart. He and his servants. And the heart... Oh, did you see that? See, his lifestyle of unbelief... His lifestyle of hardening his heart now is affecting other people. It's not just Pharaoh hardened his heart, but now his own servants are hardening their heart. They learned it from Pharaoh. I don't want my children to learn unbelief from me. I don't want my, my children to learn hard-heartedness from me. I don't want to let my children learn pride from me. I don't want my children to learn rebellion against God and against His church from me. Everybody influences somebody. Pharaoh influenced the servants. I want to have a good influence, don't you? Amen. You know, I've been praying for you for a long time that things would change. And they're not changing. And I'm starting to wonder. starting to doubt 
because I've been praying so long for you and mom and nothing's changing. I'm having my doubts. There needs to be some changes in our life. There needs to be some changes in my life. There's just some things I don't want my children to learn from me. Would you stand? And the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, neither would he let the children of Israel go as the Lord had spoken. And Father God, in your mighty name today, I stand before your presence and I allow your word to judge me. I recognize in my life, my wife, my children, my home, I recognize there needs to be a change. And I humble myself before you, mighty God. True repentance. Lord, I want to cancel this morning behavior that would cause my children to be lost. I want to cancel behavior that would cause failure in my life and other people's lives. I repent this morning, Lord. I turn with my heart, my soul, and my spirit to the God of all the earth. And I ask You to cleanse me, Lord, with Your precious blood. Give me the strength, Lord God, to be a father I need to be husband I need to be and a pastor I need to be. I hold your word up as a mirror for my face. I'll not point the finger of blame but to myself. Let people be encouraged, God, by my walk, my children. Let them, Lord, serve You with all their heart. As I seek to serve with all of mine. I pray Your blessing to be upon this church, these people this congregation. As we, Lord Jesus, with a pure heart, stand before You with open face, removing the mask. We stand before You with open face. Not trying to cover up who we really are. 
We humble ourselves before You right now. We thank You for cleansing us with Your blood. We pray You receive our prayers this morning. You would cancel. By our repentance, You would cancel judgment. Cancel the judgment on the workplace and economy. Cancel the judgment upon the house. Cancel the judgment upon our hearts. That you might be known as the God of all the earth. That you might be glorified in and through us. Forgive us, Lord, when we are cold hearted. You said, Lord, in the last days, the people's hearts become cold. I choose this morning, Lord, to deliberately serve You with my action and not just my word. Deliberately praise You. I belong to You. My praise belongs to You. My family, my life, my body, my spirit, my soul, my wealth belongs to You. Give me, Lord, my attitude. Creating me a clean heart. Renewing me a right spirit. Then will I teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted unto you. You are holy. You are righteous. You are worthy be worshipped. As you stand, if you lift your hands, you're going to feel the presence of the Lord. He touches you. God, we thank you today. We acknowledge that everything, Lord, that you allow to come in our lives is to bring us to a place humility in a place of repentance that we would acknowledge you in all our ways in Jesus name we pray and Father I pray for the congregation Lord let your word by your spirit be applied by your spirit God to each and every heart every life every mother every father